the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gestand. And I am so glad to be in the house with you on this Monday edition of Lifeline. The time is, let me cut this up. There we go. The time is 5.05 on our Monday edition of Lifeline. How are you today? I hope you are enjoying the weather out there. I keep talking about it. I just came back from Las Vegas about four days ago, and it was 100 degrees. Very, very warm. Got back in the Bay Area on Saturday, and am thankful to be here with you on this Monday edition of Lifeline. You know how we do it. I give you the number. You call. We talk about something that might be relevant to your life or mine, and we try to bring it down to the level of Scripture, the Bible, the Word of God, one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine is the number to reach me. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Been thinking about something that's been going on, kind of in the ether, in the in the world of news, um, debate, discussion, conversation, kind of pushing to the level of a little bit of uh, uh, I don't know, uh, not hostility, but it, it's 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 something important. It has to do with what has been going on now for hundreds of years, particularly in America, um, and even longer than that around the world, and that's racism. Every time we turn around, we are dealing with and constantly having to battle, how do you answer this subject of race? How do you deal with historic discrimination? How do you deal with um, uh, people who have... Um, views about different ethnic groups. You know, I've said before, and you can buy this if you want to, there's only one race. It's the human race. Biblically, um, there is no distinction between blacks and whites and Asians and other uh, people group as well. And so when we create these categories, well, he's black, white, Asian, Indian, this, that, and the other. Well, yeah, nationally, that might be true, but ethnically, the Bible is clear, and as one Arthur put it, I think it was B.B. Warfield, God has never, ever been concerned about the division of races or the division of people groups. He really has not. In other words, you don't find <clears throat> a theology in the Bible that actually affirms as a foundation to a sort of concrete understanding of God's redemptive purposes in Christ, that God has to absolutely see to that to it that we divide into these balkanized states of whites and blacks and Indian and Asian and all the different ethnic groups that we call different races today. And we are certainly locked into that fictitious, as we've stated before many times, um, category of individual races. But in reality, um, there is no biological, no, no scientific. Actually, it's a historical as well. In other words, 
even though the nations have dominated different people groups, it's largely because of sort of a an aristocratic standpoint of people being more prosperous or more economically wealthy or more powerful than the poor. Across the spectrum, people have dominated other people groups because of power, not color. And one of the things you learn when you go through history is that you discover that people groups in your own ethnic group have enslaved people of your own color as well. And as some of the dark history of America, uh, when we begin to peel back the layers of what is really going on for the last 400 years In America, there were times when black people owned black people as well as whites owning Indians, etc. There were times when Native Americans owned uh, colored people, owned um, other Native Americans. And what does that mean? It simply means that when sin rules the heart, what it does is it makes every individual, if he has an opportunity to become God and ruler over the other peoples of the world. And that's what we're dealing with. Unfortunately, kind of in our world of theology and the realm of the gospel and the community with which I have a lot to do, there is this bantering back and forth between black theologians and white theologians who are brothers in Christ for sure, but they have a very, very, very different view of how to approach um, the issue of, of race and discrimination and and uh, and recovery of of a relationship with with um with our brothers and sisters, uh, simply because when you go to different parts of our nation, you still see largely these kind of frameworks and categories of sort of institutional, if not just social, um, racism. I'm sure you can agree with that. So one of the things I was thinking about: what do you do when you are dealing with um, what appears to be this massive um, I call it portion of the flesh in the church, um, completely um, given over to some issues that I think that can really be more destructive than edifying. Now, yes, we have to try to find a way to get along, don't we? Rodney King becomes the mantra when we sense that on the horizon are uh, problems that if we don't face them and begin to talk about them and work them through, they will be problematic. But Let's admit it. I think that what we're dealing with when the church begins to drift away from the real message of the gospel, the real work of the kingdom of God at the center of that work for which God has called us in Christ to go into all the world with the gospel. He has called us to utilize the whole ministry of the gospel to bring about what the gospel alone can accomplish. And that's reconciliation. So I want to make a couple of observations, and um, if you have been struggling through the commentary, the dialogue, the rhetoric, or even the experience of um, you know real um, stiff and challenging racial issues, you can call me on it. We can talk about it. I know, I know. Um, wouldn't it be wonderful to talk about other things that really had nothing, nothing to do with it? Sure it would, but the problem would be is that we would fail to understand the the planks and the roots of uh, historic past offenses and grievances that we have all experienced one way or another and have not fully dealt with it either as an individual or as a people group. And so that's why um, every time you turn around, race, race, this, race, race, that, you can't stick your head in the sand you can't say it doesn't exist, and you can't um, 
you can't give a flippant answer either. Um, uh, that just doesn't work. So for the body of Christ, here are a couple of observations I want to make around how um, we are to consider it and then maybe how we are to respond to it if we're going to be noble men and women of honor who are going to hold up biblical principles in terms of dealing with issues. As I said, I'm, I'm, I'm actually putting this in a category of carnality, um, fleshliness that needs to be mortified, crucified, and subdued. I think that uh, what will largely help us get away from a kind of political sort of um, prejudice narrative is when we are facing tribulation and difficulties in our nation and in our country that so um, supersedes out of necessity, getting beyond the, the squabbling and the opposition because— I was listening to a couple of messages today by two different pastors, one um, John Piper and then another young African-American pastor in Alabama talking from the same stage on this topic matter of racism. And uh, both were admitting that uh, we have a long way to go. John brought a powerful message on the fact that Christ actually won our reconciliation to one another by his death, burial, and resurrection from the cross. I totally agree with that. What that means is if we don't implement that methodology as a means by which we understand the success of our overcoming historic racism, we're doomed to fail for a a bunch of different reasons. In fact, the way that he put it was this way. Piper said, the death of Christ, preceded by the life of Christ, preceded by the pre-incarnate Christ, saw to it that the whole world was made by him and for him, according to Colossians chapter 1, for his glory and for his honor as given to him by God the Father, who had made Christ preeminent over all things, in order that Christ might reconcile all things unto himself. So what's going on in our world even now after the ascension of Jesus Christ back to his throne? He is reconciling all things to himself. Now, if that's true, you and I are already part of a reconciliation process. Now, that does not change the responsibility on your part or mine to understand history correctly. But what it does help us to recognize is there is reconciliation that has been taking place for over 2,000 years since the God-man ascended glory, took his seat at the right hand of his father, and is running this world. That means you and I are able, through the gospel, to have an optimism and a positive view of our brothers and sisters who are not like us ethnically, but may also not have the same views as we do uh, relative to our optimism about unity, reconciliation, and ultimately um, the power and grace of what I'll be preaching on for the next several weeks, the forgiveness of sins. Christ won for us reconciliation in order that we might walk in the forgiveness of sins. It's a powerful concept. I know we began to talk about it last week, but we'll touch on it a bit more today. Here's what I want to say. It's true that there's frequently 
an inadequate response to the question posed to our white brothers. So how do you actually understand the sins of the past? If we were to raise that question, they're not going to always give an adequate answer. Partly because they weren't there and they have a right to admit that. They have a right to say, I was not there. You can't hold me personally to something for which I was not there, not in that way. And um, even when you ask the question, what is your sense of both justice and mercy relative to it? They may not be ready to give a sort of coherent, biblical, deeply thoughtful answer to it because it requires so much. When you think about... um, Here, just in America, the intrinsic racism that is institutional and employed by government on a political, social level, on an economic level, on a level of um, a policy around housing. And you guys know this if you actually know the history of what has gone down to frame control factors around, um, you know, the freedoms that black people won through the civil rights movement. But they did not actually equal um, total liberty so that blacks could move into a state of um, complete success by their own powers. A lot of impediments were uh, employed to hinder that. We all know that now it's all out in the open. It was denied for many decades. It cannot be denied now. But here is what I must say. Our non-black brothers and sisters, most of them didn't even know much about this at all. They cannot be held culpable in some kind of immediate reparations way for what they did not know. You wouldn't want to be held that way. So when we talk to our uh, non-black brothers and sisters about racism and prejudice and the history and and, um, reconciliation, we want to be extremely fair, extremely careful, extremely thoughtful as to what they know and what they don't know. And if you know, if you actually know and you have a, a body of data that can help you inform them, then it's your privilege and honor since we're trying to be honorable people, to help them understand more fully what it is they don't understand, as opposed to simply ranting and raving and arguing that somebody owes us something. We have to be very careful as the body of Christ not to forget that Christ hath reconciled us. But equally true is the misrepresentation also of black people about the same subject matter. Um, We often simply take up the coattails of some present day advocate and say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. He, he's the one I agree with. I agree with him. Whatever he says, that's what I'm saying. When in reality for all of us, every individual Christian, every individual believer, your job and mine is to prove all things and hold fast to that, which is good. So I know how you feel now when you think about, okay, if I bump into somebody at dinner, uh, if I come across someone at a holiday season and they are really amped up about this issue of racism and prejudice, I really don't want to talk about it. Well, okay, don't talk about it, but don't take a side either until you're informed. And finally, what I want to say, until there is a forum that can facilitate this massive topic with both the time needed to lay out a fair and comprehensive history of the facts of both views and some experts, experienced persons who can adequately represent the interest of those parties that are in view, um, all you're going to do is have a hate fest. We don't want that. Um, We will do well to simply understand, now mark this, that humility, forgiveness of sins, 
justification by faith and a forward obedience that does not disrespect past hurts. A forward obedience that does not disrespect past hurts will take us a long ways. One of the statements that was made by the young African-American brother was that he went into a community of of Caucasians and simply um, served them and loved on them. And that went a long way to establish the already bought for, paid for reconciliation that we as believers have in Christ. All right, my time is up on this uh, meditation on the topic. I'd be glad to hear from you. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. A lot of other things to talk about as well. If you have a serious topic you want to discuss, I might talk talk with you about it. Two lines open. Love to hear from some new callers. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistan. And we're back the time 525. Two lines open. Love to hear from you. one 367 I opened up with a monologue simply addressing what I think is a real challenging issue and will be um, for many decades, maybe even uh, millenniums to come, if we don't get a handle on it as the Church of the Living God. Talking with my board op and engineer, we're talking about the acute nature of, you know, discrimination and prejudice, even in our own families. You guys know this, you, you know, maybe the white category will talk about how blacks do this and blacks will talk about how whites do this. And yet we'll be doing the same thing within our own people groups, um, uh, preferring one person above another, um, giving a pass to some and, and then, you know, over criticizing others. And so what, what does that mean? It means that when we address the matter of race or prejudice or discrimination, we really should be coming from a place of recognizing that we are all guilty of sin, not just sin in general, but sin specifically in in categories of uh, of um, racism or discrimination, or as um, the scriptures would say, um, respect of persons, because that's really kind of the matrix out of which racism is born. Respect of persons, if if that's the case, you and I can look back and go, you know, there were times when I was in fact. Um, a respecter of persons. I took an individual and I gave him or her an advantage over someone else when that other person may have had the same right that, um, to that privilege than the other person I gave an advantage for. And if that's the case, what do we do? We come from a place of recognizing, if we're Christians, that we are forgiven sinners, that as forgiven sinners, we stand on the grounds of a great work that God has done for us. And from there, without being accusatory or condemning or slicing the pie so thin that all we can do is see the faults of other people, um, begin to work towards solutions to the problem. one 367 one On the other hand, I want to read something as well to you. Um, And uh, this is a real blessing. I get these books every year, poems from different brothers and sisters to bless my soul. Uh, I love poems, love um, the larger prose as well as the um, 
a real um, sort of uh, semantically structured poems. Listen to this one, and I'll tell you who it is after I read a couple of them, or maybe you can figure them out. This is a member in our church at Grace in Hayward, and uh, she's a female. The poem is called A New Day. I like this one. A New Day. Out of the womb of the morning, a new day is born. A tiny glowing light appears from a morning star. Birds singing, flapping their wings as they take to the sky. Flowers awaken to the dawn before the sunrise. Great another day. That's a poem. Out of the womb of the morning, a new day is born. A tiny glowing light appears from a morning star. Birds singing, flapping their wings as they take to the skies. Flowers awaken to the dawn before the sunrise. Greet another day. That's the word greet. Here's another one I like from this person as well. Think about this one. I like this one. It's called Reflections on Myself. Reflections on myself. You got to be brave to do this. Mirror, mirror, what do I see? A little old lady staring at me. Started to smile, so did she. Is she mocking me? Hair black, trimmed in white. Wrinkles come whenever she smiles. Each day when she appears, her face looks just like mine. My reflection, my twin, live in loving and growing old together. Not a good one. Here it is again. Reflections of myself. Mirror, mirror. What do I see? A little old lady staring at me. Started to smile. So did she. Is she mocking me? Hair black, trimmed in white. Wrinkles come whenever she smiles. Each day. When she appears, her face looks just like mine. My reflection, my twin, living, loving, and growing old together. I'm going to share with you one more, then we'll go to the phones. Uh, again, you're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'm just chilling, waiting for you to call one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. This one is called Mysterious Wind. Mysterious Wind, and you know the wind is mysterious. The wind blows wherever it pleases, uncontrollable, misunderstood, heard but unseen. Where it comes from, where it goes, we can't tell. In its strength, tall trees bow to the power of God. Great writing. Sometimes when you are stressing out and you're wondering what to do, go online and look up a poem. Just Read a poem. Better yet, read the poem of Scripture, the Word of God, the Bible. It will help you in all these areas as well. Well, you're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. Um, two lines are open, one 367 I, I did call on you to want to talk about the to- topic of um, racism and discrimination to see if you are even in the mix of that matrix, but you may not be. So when I come back... I'll take your phone calls on what topics you may want to discuss with yours truly. one 367 We'll be right back.
And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And so we're back the time, 536 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line one and talk with Mark. Mark, what say ye? Yeah, I'd like to talk about AB 2943. No, we don't want to talk uh, about that. We don't want to talk about that. Uh, So now, why why, why would we want to talk about AD 4923? No, twenty nine forty three. Twenty nine forty three, eighty nine forty. Why would we want to talk about it? Well, it just passed today. Okay. Where if I want to wear a dress and high heels and put on, oh, a Mark. and if you don't call me, where where at that? Where where at? Where at? Did that? Where did that pass at? In our state today, it passed. It's law. Whatever that means, I don't know, but uh, it's it's a, a law. So what's a law? You know. 2943 that says the transgender, uh, you know, if a guy wants to say he's a, a girl and wear a dress and high heels and lipstick, if you don't call him she, you're in big trouble. That's, what do you, what do you mean big trouble? Help, help us understand what you mean by that. I don't get that. Well, I was hoping you knew more about it than uh, I. No, you know why? You know bill. why? Because there's, it's not possible for, um, for us as believers to be... Um, Force to deny reality and then begin to, uh, as it were, have to capitulate to some insane uh, legislation that would affirm um, a, a twisted form of reality on people's parts. They do all kind of stuff in, up in Sacramento that doesn't bother us on an everyday basis. So I'm trying to wonder, um, why are you tracking with that? If if you don't know what the penalties are for something as stupid, I mean, we already had the issue of bathrooms being assigned to men and women um, uh, voted in, right? That's already been done, right? Right. Okay. So how has that impacted, impacted you and me? Well, no, it hasn't really impacted It's me. not going to impact me either. It's not going to impact me either, and I don't think it's going to impact you or other people in this sense that— as a believer, you and I should not be pulling our hair out. We should not be distracted from the cause of the gospel around people who want to behave like unbelievers, because that's what they're doing. Behaving like unbelievers, yeah. our society is falling apart on so many levels um, like that. But it shouldn't be, this shouldn't be something that gets you all alarmed and up in arms. I know we, we did have a little problem with the bathroom things, and, you know, people did what they could to stop it in terms of uh, protests. Didn't work, right? So here we go, the right. next level. What, are they going to fine us, uh, make us pay money if someone wears a dress and we go, hey, um, sir, you, you know, you're wearing a dress? What, can they then di- dictate for you and me? Reality. I, I really don't. Yeah. Well, no, they, we, they, we, hold on. I, they can't, Mark. Worry. Mark, they can't. Yeah. Now, what right. Sacramento is doing, what Washington is doing, is basically pushing the envelope as an advocacy uh, group for um, the LGBT community. We know that. They, that's what they do. That's right. that's a whole trajectory. That's a whole part of the, uh, um, uh, you know, giving over of mankind. We know that. But we've lived in this world since the days of Christ. You and I don't have to panic about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's why I wasn't going to make it oh. the topic. Oh, okay. And you well, either. And you either. Uh, Go ahead on. 
you heard about President Moon in South Korea uh, nominating the president for a Nobel Peace Prize. I thought that was really cool because uh, Kim Jong-un got really nervous after he, you know, mentioned what his nation did to that college kid for stealing a poster and they tortured him to death and gave him drugs. And so it looks like uh, it's real. I mean, I saw the film footage. Uh, they were shaking hands and, and really it's historic. You know? Nobel this Peace Prize for our president. Yeah. Well, might as well. Yeah. I mean, Obama got one. Well, <laughs> President Trump is a, a thousand times better than Obama. Well, you know, I, you know, I you know, I, 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 I'm not putting my hat in for either one of them for a ton of different reasons. Man, the Nobel Peace Prize does not it does not smack to me as uh, anything of any more than kind of a political uh, slap on the back on the part of those who have money, on the part of those who have power. I I really don't care. I mean, as long as President Trump doesn't um, engage in some insane agenda to to create a new nuclear war between us and Korea, uh, North Korea or other uh, nation states, then, you know, let him do his time, man. But really, really, I mean, that's nothing. So, Mark. Tell me something gospel-centered before I let you go. Well, today in your broadcast, you mentioned how important uh, prayer was, you know, and really that, that's what it's all about. The early Christians, they, uh, they prayed for boldness in Acts 4, and the right. place was shaken together. And when we really think about the fact that Jesus resurrected out of the grave, he fulfilled those prophecies that said he died for our sins. Yeah. Uh, and and resurrect, we really, there's no reason why we shouldn't be very bold in uh, declaring the gospel. I I agree with you with that, and I think that that should be the passion. Not to say that we don't have concern about these other political things. I mean, to some degree we do. I mean, if they have implications in the schools, I want to know, because if I have to, you know, encourage my grandchildren to, to leave, I will tell them to leave. Uh, get out of those cesspools that want to distort reality and deny um, concrete, empirically undeniable truth. Um, we have to leave those venues. But um, other than that, what what God has called us to do is actually to preach the gospel to those very people group. And that's where I admire you when you go and do your two minutes speech before uh, the assembly, uh, because that is the best thing you can do with your time is remind them to whom much is given, much is required, and they will answer to God for their position of authority. That's what you are supposed to do. So I want to encourage you in that. The rest of it, you know, it will take care of itself. Thank you, Mark. Let me briefly talk with Deb online, too. Deb, what's your thoughts today? Hi, Jesse. Hi. Can you hear me? I sure can. Uh, Jesse, I think that if... We love people with the love of God, and we pray for them and tell them we love them, and no matter what they feel toward us, we're not going to take it personally. I think that will go a long way. Yep, that is a biblical way to approach how to deal with people who hold differences of opinions in terms of um, 
you know, uh, racism and things like that. We have to simply be as much like our master as possible. His ethic is honor all men, love the brethren, fear God and honor the king. If we can really walk in those principles, doesn't mean that they aren't going to try to hurt us because there's just some people out there who are hell bent on hurting. But I think we will win the day if we continue following our master's marching orders. Well, one person told me they wanted to kill me. I said, go ahead. <laughs> See? See? There you go. Yes. Yeah. You win, don't you? You you are. If you want to kill me, go ahead. Because yeah. I'm still going to win no matter what you do. Exactly. See? Because I'm not going to hate you. That's and right. And I'm not going uh, to stoop to the level of hating you because I don't agree with you. Agreed. See? I love it. There it is. That's the way that we have to walk. Now, see, Deb, that's what I meant in in my basically my opening comments on the article around why our churches have such a time working through racial issues. It's because we love hate more than we love love. Um, And it's a carnality that has to be condemned in our members, mortified, subdued, crucified. We have to be willing to die in order to love people that we don't want to love. And that really is at the heart of this. And you've got the key, young lady. You have got the key. I've got to take a break. Thank you for the call. Two lines open, one 888 Two lines open, one 888 Let's get this thing going. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistan. And we're back. The time 549 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, he says these words, This know also that in the last times, last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. That's, this would characterize sort of the tenor of the social thinking of our world without natural affection. There we go. Truce breakers. That is, they don't hold to, um, to vows. They don't have words of integrity. They don't keep covenant. False accusers. That is, overt express liars. Incontinent. That is, people who don't have control of themselves. They lack discipline, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady traitors. That is people who can turn coat on you in a moment if it means their advantage. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And when Paul uses that last line, that's where you and I have to be very careful to understand that we're dealing with a root, root, root in fallen nature that you and I can identify with loving pleasure more than God. Um, That's what Paul said. So think about that. That's hedonism. You guys, that's where the only thing that matters is how you feel, what you think, how that works for you. And the whole world has to revolve itself around you. And what's fascinating about that is again, um, where legislation is coming into, as it were, Affirm and strengthened by policy and law, this whole new spectrum of gender identity, it's not new, it's old, but it's come in in order to push up against the old standard of absolute and biblical truth. So what's the Christian to do? Well, the believer is not to panic. The believer is not to be distracted from 
your call to worship, your call to witness, your call to declare the gospel, the glory of God, and to do it like Deb said, in a charitable way, being willing to lay down your life. Because darkness is chaos by nature. Darkness is confusion by nature. Darkness is a vacuum by nature, and light is the only thing that can actually rectify it. And so we have to come with the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Christ to help men and women overcome. And and listen, that's God's work. Ultimately, when we share the gospel in all humility with people, we have to wait for God to work. Only God can do it. We can't bring them into a revelation of what it means to be made in the Imago day. Only God can do it. So we don't panic. We don't get frustrated. We don't use scare tactics. We don't use political uh, methods. We simply pray, as Mark had reminded me. That's what we do. We pray and we witness and we wait for God to come through. And if he doesn't come through, then God's word is right too, as he plainly told us. Wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many be therein that go that way. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few, even fewer, find that way. So you and I are all in a state of real challenge right now in these days, and we ought to make sure that we are anchored as well in Christ. So I'm going to go to line number three, talk with um, Lizzie in line number three. What's going on, young lady? What's your thoughts today? Hi. Wow. I just I just really felt the spirit moving, so I called in, and you started out with poetry, and that was cool. And and the Lord is just really moving upon these, um, on all the topics that you're discussing. You know, the end times and the divide between the wheat and the tares, and the fact that basically what we have here, we have a a mission field here, and that that's the root. Even with all this political madness and all these different, you know, beliefs. True. It's it's still a mission it's a mission field. And instead of coming up against them, I think in a political way, because we're fighting against uh demons and, and principalities and things like that, we just have to go forth and try to harvest uh some of these these all these different scenarios. And I'm also a poet, I just wanted to say Okay. That was cool that you read some poetry I'm yeah, also a singer. I love it. And um, so, yeah, I just had to feel the Lord moving pretty heavy right, in my heart about these issues. Because when, you know, things have really picked up in the, um, how do you say, in the persecution level. But some of us have been persecuted for decades, and it's just starting to hit the church, if that makes sense. It's starting to hit, the you know, the rest. Okay. And so everybody's starting to feel it a little bit now. Oh, you know, it's, it's ramping up. Give me, give me a, a drop of poem on me. Take your time. Well, I don't have a poet on the top, but I'll drop a I'll drop a song. Okay, I'll take a line or two. Come on, girl. Come on. I'd have to read. No, you don't. Dying, no, you I, don't. I, just, I just drop it. Hello? Go ahead. I'm listening. Love and grace are sweet, the same, the same, the same, the same, the same, the same, there you go. Look at you. You brought some grace into the conversation. 
Bless you, girl. Amen. Bless you. And Thank stay at and stay you. and stay at the battle. Stay at the battle. Um, let me go to line Amen. number four and talk with Jermaine in Oakland. Jermaine, what's your question, comment, or observation today, brother, while I'm clearing out lines? Well, you know, I, I wanted to talk about the topic of uh, forgiveness. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I find that, uh, you know, like anybody, I've been wronged, and I'm sure I wronged a few people in right. life, but right. I believe very hardly in, in forgiveness. And for me, forgiveness means no hate, no ill will. I, I pray for the, you know, for the good of that person, mm-hmm. whoever they are. But I find that uh, people who have wronged me and others, they seem to have a distorted view of forgiveness, and they're usually repeat offenders, and they're not repentant. And they always bring up things like, like phrases like "Don't judge" and "What would Jesus do?" and and uh, you know those along those lines, those concepts. But when I ask for a context, they either can't say what context I was spoken in, and they make it up, or they actually don't read the Bible at all. But they're just used to throwing those things around. I was just wondering if you can give us a breakdown on what exactly is biblical forgiveness from the position of a believer. Right. Well, it's, it's big. It's large. It. Um... It encompasses, really, um, the character of God. That's why we're going to spend a couple, two or three weeks on dealing with vertical forgiveness. That is the forgiveness of sins from God to us because um, the infinite, holy, impeccable, righteous, glorious God that we know to be uh, without sin, um, he cannot possibly dwell with you and me, Jermaine, um, given that we um, are still by nature sinners, even though we possess the righteousness of God in Christ, and even though we are born again, and even though we have a new nature that loves God and loves his word, because we're still sinners, the only way that an infinitely holy, righteous, glorious God could have a relationship with us is for him to establish a mechanism by which the sins that come up in our thoughts, the sin that comes up in our words, or the sin that comes up in our actions are mitigated, a mechanism for mitigating those sins as an alternative to him mitigating us with his wrath. This is really a phenomenal, phenomenal topic of which, again, I'm going to spend several weeks both in the Psalms and in the book of Job, helping us understand that God has meant from all eternity that you and I in this space between grace and glory uh, to know God and the pardon of our sins. In other words, this is our relationship with God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy spirit, that God is a God of forgiveness by nature. That's Exodus 34 and six. And he is a God of forgiveness by execution. That is the mediatorial work of Christ on the cross He is a God of forgiveness by power, that is, by the work of the Spirit of God, saying, peace be unto you, um, when you and I interact with God at the level of repentance. So the relationship, relationship between us and God is shaped around us knowing God is holy and we're not. So now we're on a basis of truth because, I mean, if God is spirit and he is, and he is eternal and he is then everything about our relationship with him and us really requires a constancy of righteousness. And what that means is, because it's a subject-object relationship, I don't get to act like God does not matter when it comes to my sinning against him. I don't get to do that. I don't get to neglect my sin. I don't get to 
ignore my sin. I don't get to play it down. I don't get to harden my heart and pretend that, okay, God has paid for it, is thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, and I can keep rolling. That would be for me to be utterly ignorant of this massive gift called forgiveness. In other words, God could have paid for my sins and just left it at that, but he didn't. He established a mechanism of relationship that constitutes forgiveness. And what that would say is that he wants me to be honest with him at all times. He's giving me a mechanism by which I don't have to be deceitful. I don't have to be self-righteous. I don't have to be cunning or manipulative. I don't have to hide behind pride and and uh, a form of godliness. I don't have to lie to God. But I do have to be honest. I do have to be sincere. I do have to have the integrity of understanding that God is calling me to walk in a light that requires me to honor the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ as the grounds of my acceptance before God continually uh, and grow in that. There is a liberating factor when we come to understand the forgiveness of sins with God. That's the vertical level. So there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus that walk after the spirit, not after the flesh, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ has liberated us from the law of sin and death on the grounds of forgiveness. Forgiveness is massive in this sense that God has secured our eternity with him um, and certainly our time with him until we are glorified. And I'm not... I don't know what glorification means in terms of its eternal significance. What I do know now is that forgiveness of sins constitutes a freedom for me to live the life that I live at the highest level of the Imago Dei and the Coram Deo, presence of God, the nature of God in me, God in me, I in God, through Christ, by his spirit, in such a way is that I don't have to fear Anymore, And I want to expand on that more fully. But this aspect of our conversation, Jermaine, does not have to do with what goes on with brothers and sisters on a ground level, horizontal level. When I come back from the break, I'll talk about that, why it is that we have such a shabby view of forgiveness on a horizontal level. And it's largely due to our not plumbing the depths of what it means for God to draw nigh to us and us to God through the blood and righteousness of Christ, where Christ is diminished in this area of forgiveness. So on a horizontal level, horizontal between me and other brothers, we're not going to be careful to walk in the fullness of authentic, genuine um, forgiveness. And therefore, we're going to be in danger of what our master said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. If you don't forgive your brother, you won't experience levels of forgiveness from God. And I want to talk about what that looks like and what that feels like, because I believe a lot of people are living in major pockets of captivity and bondage simply because they are not walking with God as they ought to in the area of being guileless. In other words, the gospel demands that we recognize that we are sinners through and through if we're going to know the liberty which is in Christ. Three lines open, one 888 Three lines open, one 888 Jermaine, you hold on. I'll be right back. Three. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.